SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, Simon Campbell joins us now. He is at Flushing Meadows. Day two of the US Open is underway. Simon, good evening to you. And uh, looking at some of the action to look forward to tonight, uh, after last night, a couple of surprises. And I think the big one was in the ladies' draw with Maria Sharapova uh, taking out one of the top seeds. Uh, tonight, we hopefully don't see any other big upsets, but uh, it's looking pretty interesting with the matches on court already. Yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe not big upsets, but definitely big names. This is the uh, this will be the debut of Roger Federer at this year's tournament. Obviously, having won Australia and winning Wimbledon, people are going to be expecting him to do well and win his third Slam. He is a big favourite. He plays Francis Tiafo, a very good, talented American. He's had a good summer, but uh, under the lights, Federer is pretty unstoppable usually. And you'd think that as long as he's over the back injury he had in uh, a couple of weeks ago in Cincinnati, then hopefully he will uh, he'll, he'll win through quite straightforwardly. He's an unbelievable Nick. Uh, I mean, if you think about the last time he won here at the US Open, I mean, he's no stranger to winning uh, at Flushing Meadows, but it's been a while, and he's having arguably one of his, his best years of, of, of his life. It's absolutely amazing, isn't it? I mean, it, 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 you're right. 2008 when he last won. So it's nine years since he last won the title, and that sort of gap is unprecedented, really, in terms of winning Slam. But, this is Federer we're talking about, and he would have said he would come, come away from having six months off after injury and Win in Australia. That was that in itself. I think was the most amazing season of the year. Winning Wimbledon, Kevin winning Australia was not the biggest surprise in the world because of how good he was. But now, of course, with Murray out, the Djokovic out, with Novak Rinka, with Kishikori around it, it's really Federer and Nadal, and it's just a shame they're in the same half. Mm. Let, let, let's touch on Nadal. You mentioned he's in action as well. What, what are we expecting from from the Spaniard? Well, I've been watching him in practice, and he is absolutely splashing the ball as hard as you could possibly imagine. He looks really up for this. He's playing Dusan Lajovic of Serbia, who's a decent player, but you would expect Nadal, this is, that's the third match of the afternoon session. Now, you expect him to go through that one without too many problems. And, you know, he, he is looking good. He's had a good year, a very good year, uh, almost as good as, as Federer, really, winning the French Open. And uh, he, he and Federer are the ones to beat. It's it's so strange. I mean, you, you think about how long they've been in the game, and uh, we're talking about them still. It's incredible. From the ladies' side of things, I mentioned Maria Sharapova. Uh, she won last night. Uh, who, any any of the big big names in, in the ladies' drawing action this evening? Well, yeah, that's right. Well, we know that um, eight women, as we went into the tournament, could have ended the uh, the year or ended the tournament number one in the world. And one of them who holds the number one ranking at the moment, Carolina Pliskova, she's on court right now. Uh, she's playing Magdalene at Poland. She's made a pretty good start. She's a step in that breakup, so she looks like she's making a decent uh, start to hopefully going one better than last year when she got to the final and lost to Serena Williams. Uh, other than her, we've got people like Eugenie Bouchard on court, Svetlana Kuznetsova, who's another one who could go number one. And uh, a very interesting match between the defending champion, Angelique Kerber, and Naomi Osaka of Japan, who's a real talent. I see Ostapenko, the 12th seed, also on court at the moment, and she's been uh, pushed to, to three sets, although she does look like she's a break-up in the, in the third. Yeah, that's right. She's playing Lara Arobarena. We were just discussing, actually, uh, how everyone seems to have forgotten about Ostapenko. She won the French Open out of nowhere, uh, hitting all those winners all over the place, and everyone suddenly thinks she's going to be a world beater. People forgot about her at Wimbledon, and now no one's talking about her here because of this race to number one, but she's dangerous, and... You know, she's liable to drop the object to players that you've not necessarily heard of, but she's going to be very dangerous if she gets through the first few rounds. It looks like she's on course now. 
You had a chat to Kevin Anderson last night after his uh, first round win. Uh, straight sets win for the South African. He has also struggled with uh, a bit of a niggle of, of late and, and hasn't been in the best form since Natty wasn't great for him. Uh, he's sounding pretty confident after the, the opening round straight sets win. He did sound confident. He, he said he, he said he's fully fit now. He's not having any problems. You never know with with Kevin to be to be perfectly honest, because you know you obviously got to you're not going to he's not going to come out and say that he's struggling with something. But he he certainly seemed in good form yesterday. A little bit um, tough early on in that first set, but he came through it nicely. And you know you'd expect him to have a good couple of weeks. This this I think is his favourite Grand Slam of the year. This is where he of course reached the quarterfinals a few years ago. And maybe this is the one where he can go even further if he just, you know, gets on a bit of a roll. Yeah, absolutely. We mentioned it last night. Raven Klaassen in action tomorrow in the doubles. He's got his opening uh, opening clash of the US Open with his doubles partner, E.G. Ram. So we'll chat about that tomorrow. But Simon, thank you very much for that update. Much appreciated. Enjoy the tennis tonight. And we'll have uh, all the results for you tomorrow morning here on AM Live. You're welcome. You're welcome. Speak soon. SAFM Sports Wrap. This is South Africa's news and information leader and the Springboks arrived back on South African soil this morning. That after their trip to South America for their second clash in the Castle Lager Rugby Championship. And it was uh, scorelines pretty flattering, but it was a hard-fought win against the Argentines on Saturday night. 41-23, the margin of victory. Uh, a very fiery game by the Argentines. They did play a quarter of the game with uh, only 14 men. Uh, the last 20 minutes, they were down to 14. That's Lavanini's second yellow card. We join now by SABC journalist uh, Johan Rue. Johan, welcome on to SFM Sport Trap uh, once again. You were at the airport this morning when the, the box arrived. The mood in the camp, uh, pretty good, I'm guessing, after two wins, uh, top of the rugby championship. A good start, Alistair Kutsi and his team. Thank you very much, Brad. Yeah, all smiles this morning when the, when the team arrived back, and it was really good to see some smiles on the box faces again, especially after last year. And I must say, Alistair Kutsia this year compared to last year, same time, a very different Alistair Kutsia. The way that he spoke to the media, very confident, and he also, he, he said the right things about it. That it's a work in progress. They, they realize that they're off to a good start this year, five wins in a row, but he also realized that that there's still a lot to, to come. And I think it's also important to remember 2016 was such a shock for us as, as Springbok fans and as, as people who report on rugby. But I think what we must remember is if this, if uh, the same thing happened uh, two, three years ago and we beat Argentina at home and we beat them away, we would have just think it's part of the course and uh, now comes the real challenge. So I think, yes, we, there's a lot to be positive about for the box, uh, but uh, this is uh, the real challenge is coming up. And New Zealand to the best teams in the world at the moment. But uh, even Esabet also is the interim captain, the way that he spoke to the media as well, very confident. And I think also if you follow some of the box on social media and you, you follow the Springboks themselves on, on Instagram and on Twitter, he just looks extremely happy at the moment. And I think that's a big influence from Brendan Center that there's a great culture at the moment. And uh, long may it continue, but uh, unfortunately, it's one of those things that uh, as soon as the results don't go your way, the culture also seems to disappear, and the, the, un- the off-the-field happiness also seems to, not- to start disappearing. So, yeah, at the moment, uh, the Bok camp very happy, and uh, lots of and, and happy faces at the airport this morning. 
Well, you, you mentioned this is where the rubber meets the road. They've got, I say they've got a week off. They are going to be working, I'm sure, uh, this week, but no test on the weekend. They then head to Australia uh, to take on the Wallabies. That match taking place in Perth next week, Saturday. And if uh, we spoke about the Aussies a week ago, we would have thought, oh, nothing to worry about there. We New Zealand's the team to worry about. But the Aussies showed this weekend they can't be written off. Fantastic performance. Uh, they lost it uh, in the dying moments with a lead-changing hand in the last 20 minutes between Australia and New Zealand. They went out to a 17-0 lead uh, in the first 20 minutes. They, they really showed uh, that they are a team to be reckoned with, and uh, I'm sure that came out today as well. Alistair Kutsia uh, is well aware of the threat that the Aussies pose. Yeah, Alistair Kutsia even mentioned it this morning. He said it's a very different beast to go to Australasia, to play Australia there, and to play New Zealand there. So he knows the big challenge is coming up for South Africa is Australia in first. So that's going to be a very, very tough match considering what happened the Aussies uh, last weekend. I think Michael Checker will be hurting really, really badly. And uh, unfortunately for the Wallabies, they also know that their chances of winning the rugby championship this year is pretty much gone. But I think they will be quite wounded after that uh, loss on, on Saturday, especially the way that they went down. They were 17-0 up and uh, at about two or three minutes ago, they were still in the lead. They really should have held on to, to win that game. So they will be all firing come next week, Saturday. The box are taking a few days off, and then I think they meet on Friday again, and that's when they start their preparation. One question I didn't get to ask Alistair Kutsiri, because time was running out, and they just returned from about 30 hours, is I wanted to ask him, what's he going to do differently this year that he didn't do last year? Because that was his first challenge down under. I think that's going to be very, very interesting to hear that answer one day. Uh, hopefully in the next few days we all get to ask Alison Kutcher that question because Alison Kutcher knows that the challenge that's going to await in Australia and New Zealand is going to be a massive, massive one and potentially one that's going to define the rugby championship going forward in 2017. So uh, hopefully we get to ask him that question, but no doubt the box, uh, the box coaching management team uh, and, uh, and Brendan Trenton and Alison Kutcher are are really answering what the Wallabies did uh, last week Saturday and, and hopefully by the time the box head over to Perth they will be ready to, to take on the Wallabies. One thing I think he has done differently this year as opposed to last year is consistency in selection. Uh, and and it, it seems to be showing the players seem a lot more settled. He did name his 29-man squad for that upcoming tour. Andre Pollard, Ross Cronier and Dylan Leitz return. Cohen Bosch, François Fent and Jano Fermark head back to their respective provinces. Andre Pollard's selection, uh, he was saying as well, I believe, that uh, he, he was almost confident enough to select him for the first uh, two games, but decided to, to just wait up, and he's, he's quite comfortable that Pollard's uh, pretty much back to where, where he should be to play international rugby. Yeah, that was a very interesting comment that he made this morning because he said the way that the box have been training is more than match fitness or more than, than the match intensity that he would have experienced during a curry cup. So firstly, that doesn't say much about the curry cup at the moment. But secondly, I don't think you can replace match fitness. Andre Pollard has been injured for a long time. I think he's maybe played four or five matches this entire year because he picked up that ankle injury earlier this, uh, this year as well. That's a very, very brave call. I think Alton Yankees will retain the number 10 jersey for the Wallabies test at least. But it's going to be interesting, especially considering that uh, Yankees, perhaps he, he picks up a, an injury in the first five minutes of that Wallaby test and then you put in a fly-off who's hardly played rugby and you ask him to play almost 80 minutes of, of test rugby against one of the best teams in the world. Uh, that's going to be that's a brave call. I'm, I'm very glad for Dylan Lates. I think he's an exceptional and uh, with the Western Province team at the moment. He definitely deserves to be the team. And also Ross Cronier. He is the starting scum off at the moment for 
the Springboks, and uh, it was right that he also returned uh, to, the, to the team. But definitely a lot of consistency in that box team, especially if you look at the forwards. Uh, it's great to see Alice Gutierrez sticking with the same guys, and it definitely seems to be working at the moment. Yeah, Ross Crenier, that ankle injury, obviously not as uh, serious as uh, we thought initially. He missed one game, he's back in the squad. Whether he'll start next week, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But he is, as you say, the number one scrum off. Your thoughts on Cohen Bosch being sent back to, to the province as a, as a player? I mean, Alistair did also mention uh, in that press conference today that there were a couple of things they want him to work on back at the Sharks. Did he mention what those were? Uh, no, he didn't uh, go into specifics. Uh, you mentioned uh, the kicking game, uh, but of course that's for a fly is, is very important and always something that, that needs to be worked on. But I think Kerwin Bosch is a long-term plan, and Alison Castillo mentioned it today as well. He said he's going to be playing for the box for the next 10, 11, 12 years. Kerwin Bosch is a bright young uh, player, and he definitely has a future with the box. I think the plan with Kerwin Bosch this year was to just get him into that Springbok culture and to grow in for the future, maybe in two, three years' time, or maybe by 2019. He will be the first choice flight. At the moment, I don't think Cohen Bosch has the ability to perhaps get ready and line up against a team like Australia and New Zealand, not because of his abilities as a world-class player, but just because he needs to get that experience behind him. And I think the way that Alistair Kutsi has done it this year has been really, really good. He wanted to play him earlier against France, and unfortunately he didn't get too many opportunities because uh, Kerwin Bosch was with the SFA 20 team. But then to bring him on for three minutes against Argentina to not expose him to too much, but just to get him that, uh, the, the first few caps, uh, just to get him into the Springbok team and to get that, uh, so that he can wear his Bok blazer, I think it's going to give him a lot of confidence, and I think his time with the Shark is going to be valuable. And who knows, perhaps during the end of the year tour, we might see Kerwin Bosch wearing the number 10 jersey, but I think it is the right call. Call for Kevin Bosch is just to, to get him back into the shark set up to have him work on those things that Alice Kutia wants him to work on and uh, just continue growing in his game. Was there any talk today about the All Blacks or was all the focus on the first game of the two against Australia? I mean, we all know how good the, uh, the All Blacks are, but they have looked particularly in that British and Irish Lions uh, series. And again on Saturday, they look beatable. There are certain things uh, that I think teams are starting to target, one of them being the rush defence and, and really closing down that space. Was there any talk or are, they, are the box one-eyed focused on, on the Wallabies and they'll take care of the All Blacks after that? Yeah, there wasn't much talk about the All Blacks today. I think all the focus at the moment is on that Australia clash. And I think the way that Alice Garcia might be thinking about things at the moment is if they pick up a strong win over Australia, even if they lose to New Zealand away from home, they keep their chances of winning the rugby championship alive. And, and who knows, when we come back to South Africa, we take on the Aussies and beat them, uh, perhaps with the bonus points, and then it sets up that final game at Newlands very nicely. It will be potentially a final between South Africa and New Zealand. Because, of course, at the moment... Alistair Kutsia, I think his main goal, even if he does leave away to New Zealand, his main goal this year is to try and win that rugby championship. And that would be a massive, massive turnaround from the way the box were last year. So at the moment, all focus is on the Aussies. And uh, I think that uh, the box will need to work very hard to beat Australia. Uh, they really up their game. And, and uh, they're going to have to work even harder the following year to, to, beat the, uh, to beat the All Blacks. Because, as you mentioned, they do have a few weaknesses. And Ben Smith, I believe, is also... Uh, has just played his last game for a while. I think he's six months sabbatical is starting. So there are a few weaknesses in the side. But, uh, again, it is a world-class all-black team. And I think if you look at that game against Australia, for not a second, that I don't think too many people doubted that the all-blacks would win the game. Just because of their composure, to right to the end, uh, with three minutes to go, to pull off a try like they scored 
uh, it really does take a team uh, with a lot of confidence to be able to do that. So I think uh, Alistair Kutia will definitely be thinking about that all-black game in the back of his mind, but first things first, we need to pick up a win in Perth. Yeah, well-deserved uh, few days off for the box, so we look forward to uh, following their progress in the build-up to that test in Perth next week, Saturday. Johan Leroux, as always, great uh, for the catch-up. Thanks for your time. Much appreciated. We look forward to chatting soon here on SAFM Sports Trap. Thanks, Brad. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game.